0: Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media.
1: What's the 411? 411 Teen is a weekly program for teens, families, and other interested folks. Today, 411 Teen focuses on the book, The Sound of Her Voice, My Blind Parents' Story, written by their youngest daughter, Mary Peroni Harper, a retired social worker. Her debut biography memoir centers on an independent couple, blind from childhood, who overcame challenges, raised four-sided children, and lived the American dream. The sound of her voice is a poignant journey of two strong individuals who lived a full and successful life. I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield, and joining me via Zoom, I welcome from Texas, Mary Peroni Harper. Welcome to 411 Teen, and I must say, as I was sharing with you before we come on air, I read your book, I loved your book, your parents were outstanding, and I just truly enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Oh,
0: thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love being on your show. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
1: well, I think you have just such a unique story to tell. Why, why did you write The Sound of Your Voice? What was the uh, impetus
0: I knew there were so many stories about my parents from their childhood on through adulthood until basically they died. There were so many things I wanted not to get lost. Mm -hmm. I wanted my children to know all the stories. I wanted my grandchildren who unfortunately never got to meet their grandparents, great grandparents. Um, And then as I was writing it, I was like working really hard on it and thinking, huh, because I hadn't really thought about publishing it. And I realized maybe I should get that out there because there are a lot of people as I was telling people what I'm doing, oh, I want to read that. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> so, um, it, it just sort of grew from there.
1: Well, you certainly are talented. I, I love the way it was written. I mean, it, I just felt like I was right there. And I, again, I applaud you. Thank you. Um, how think- does your book written about growing up with blind parents how would you say it differs from other books on the same topic? Well, that's
0: an interesting question. I had to do a lot of research, or I wanted to do some research on finding other stories of people uh, living with blind parents Mm or growing up with them. Very hard to find. They're a pretty rare combination. Mm -hmm. So I found uh, maybe two, one was written 20 years ago or so. And uh, another one was written, um, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so nothing was current. Um, I was able to get in touch with the the second person uh, who wrote her story. And she said, you know, really, I'd forgotten all about that book. I just wrote it for my family. I didn't even think about working hard to get it published and out into the world. So um, I don't think there really is a book similar to mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that leads into why it was so hard to write. It took me over 10 years to write it to figure out how to write it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's a very big story. I could have uh, told you, uh, written a whole book about my father, yes. his accomplishments. I could have written one about my mom and how she raised four kids by herself pretty much. Uh, uh, their story, their love story as teenagers mm-hmm. falling in love. Uh, and then I could have written about just me, what it was like growing up with blind parents. And in fact, that's how I started. So I'm writing away and I'm realizing, oh. My story is near as interesting as my parents. (laughs) They're the star of the show. How do I tell their story? You know, obviously, I begin with each of their births. And I was not there when my mother was born or my father. But I I found a technique that was like, oh, I could use that technique. Mm -hmm. And it just began to flow.
1: Well, what well, you said there were so many things you could write about. Is that something that we need to look for on the horizon? I certainly would be interested any of those Thank topics, you. <laughs> Wow. you
0: know, I have other people have asked me that, okay. but I'm in the middle of moving from Houston to Colorado Springs, and my poor brain can only handle one thing at a time. So at the moment, I'm not
1: writing. Mm-hmm. but uh, you never know what will show up. okay. Well, keep me in mind when you do. All right. Thank you, yes. Um, What is the significance of the title, The oh. Sound of Your Voice? Her voice. Oh, her, sound voice. Of her yeah. voice. Which is a little oh. different.
0: Yes. Because it goes back to one of the stories I cover pretty well in the book about um, mom was, what, 10? When she joined the fourth grade at the Indiana School for the Blind. And at that time, the school was strictly segregated by sex. So, the boys sat on one side, girls sat on the other. They were not allowed to talk to each other. They couldn't, they had to walk on separate sides of the, aisle, of the uh, hallways. They couldn't mm. eat together. They couldn't play together outside. It was just, you're here and you're here and you will not mix. So, that made for some interesting problems down the road. Uh, <laughs> but at the very beginning, uh, my mother joined the class, was seated right across the, the aisle from my dad, future dad. And uh, one day she was asked to recite a poem. So she stood up and sort of trembled and and said (laughs) in a quick voice, uh, the four lines uh, of the poem. And it sits back down. But my father listened to every word, memorized it, heard the sound of her voice in his head many, many, many times over the years. He Mm. was, uh, his memory was really incredible. Uh, So... He, it, that gave him a lot of comfort um, while they were separated uh, for several years during schooling. Dad said, I just kept hearing her voice over and over in my mind, repeating mm. those words. And that gave him a lot of a, a special comfort. That was very important to him because if you think about it, how do blind people fall I in love? I know.
1: Law? I know. I mean, it's not like you can say love at first sight or they were oh. captivated by one smile or the color of their eyes or, you know, or, Right,
0: whatever, yeah, Yeah. what they look like or how they're dressed or any of that. So the sounds are Mm -hmm. very, very important to my parents. Um, And I think I've inherited a little bit about that too because I'm really good with voices. I recognize people's voices a lot Mm -hmm. better and I can remember their face, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Uh, It's just because I, for a lot of reasons, but when I was young, uh, my dad was a little scary looking. They were both born with glaucoma. Okay. So glaucoma means that your eye gets real swollen. Mm -hmm. And nowadays they can treat it and life goes on. But back then, of course, there was nothing they could do except to watch uh, their child go slowly blind. And again, from my grandparents' point of view, uh, that had been just uh, heartbreaking um, knowing what's going to be happening to their child. But um, it it was interesting because my dad said... Well, you know, I was four when I completely lost my sight and I was just playing. We were having a great time. Didn't bother me a bit. I didn't care if I was blind or not, but my mother cared. She kept taking me to all these different doctors and oh man, I had to have (laughs) eye drops. It hurt so bad. He was subjected to an operation that was a total botch and he was still bitter about that. You know, eighty mm-hmm. years later, poor guy. Yeah, but that uh,
1: was in the what? The twenties, nineteen around twenties. Yes, yeah. uh,
0: timing is very important. Yes, they were born in nineteen thirteen and nineteen fourteen, within okay. three months of each other. Okay, which uh, being born with glaucoma is very rare, mm-hmm. uh, and even more rare, they were born within sixty miles of each other oh, in Indiana. Wow. Really so close together, mm-hmm. and in time and place, and having the blindness in common. Mom had a very different experience going to school because she went to public school. She had a little bit of sight. It was hard Mm -hmm. for her to make out letters. Uh, It was particularly farther away, but she was able to function pretty well through the second grade. Not great, depending on the teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, By third grade, she was coming home crying and and headaches all the time because she was smart. She wanted to keep up. She wanted to learn to read. She wanted to be, you know, to, to learn. But um, it was not easy to learn in a regular public school because they really didn't know what to do with yeah. a blind kid or a kid who had serious problems.
1: If you would share um, some of the, uh, some of the experiences that your mom had in school, I mean, um, what they called accommodations, I think it would be interesting for people to see at least how far we have come. Because I think what they do, they they try to put her up closer. Um, yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> Miss Starr, whenever my mother talked about Miss Starr, she said it with such uh, affection in her voice because she was the only teacher, I think, second grade, that really took an interest in her and, yes, put her up in the front and uh, showed her things up up close and made some accommodations for her. Whereas other teachers put her in the back row and said, "Eh, You can't read, you can't see. So Mm -hmm. you just, I just like, oh my gosh. I know. Uh, On the other hand, I was doing some research and realized ah, a lot of times kids in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and even the 50s were denied schooling. They were at home um, if they had any kind of handicap. And that goes with crutches and polio was really big back then. That's why the polio vaccine in the 50s and 60s came out. That was a big deal. Um, Anyway, I found out that the kids were not really allowed to go to school and then it was reconfirmed when i was doing more research about my dad and he wanted to follow his big brother to uh, parochial school um being italian good italian catholic immigrants his grand his parents were very um devout and would not consider a public school of course but i think even if there had been a public school they'd be willing to send him to they wouldn't have accepted him mm-hmm. but that uh, was a story how they went in to see the nun who was the um, principal of the school. And the nun said, no, we can't accept a blind child here, but um, he can come and go to religion classes if somebody will walk him home. And I'm like, Oh, oh. okay. We'll make sure that we save his soul, but we really don't care <laughs> about educating. him." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Oh. Uh, and then, so you flash forward, Oh, 40 years or so. And in the forties, early fifties, uh, my dad, was very active. He was by then uh, practicing attorney and becoming active in politics and give lots and lots of talks all over the place about different subjects, but especially about well, you know, being blind and mm-hmm. with you seeing eye dog and this is how we get along. But uh, he was also on a board of a group of people who established the first school for kids with disabilities. And um, they had it in the basement of a school, That apparently they were trying to make it look cheerful. And uh, dad would give up his lunch hour once or twice a week to go and teach braille to one of the blind kids. Uh, So that was like in the late 40s that Mm -hmm. kids were finally allowed to come into the schools. So Mm
1: -hmm. we've come a long way. Yes, we certainly have. I mean, um, we have really come a long way, although we still have some ways to go. But I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think what we'll do is instead of me going on into the next question or comment, I will get ready for us to to take a break so you can hold your thoughts. And to my listening audience, you're tuned in to 411 teen weekly program. I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield, and I have Mary Peroni Harper, who has written a book that we are reviewing, The Sound of Her Voice. We're going to take a brief break. Just tuning in. The program is 411-TEEN. Again, I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield, and joining me, again, I welcome Mary Peroni-Harper, author of The Sound of Her Voice, both of her parents were blind, and we are sharing her their stories. Her father, I guess, was around four, and mother made it with some sight up until 11. Against all odds, her parents lived full and productive lives. Um, Mary, I know, if I remember correctly, you know, your mother was told that she could never run a household. But your father, in the early days, in, in, in many ways, was treated as if he wasn't blind. I remember him riding bikes and horses and, and climbing ladders, and the list goes on and on. Um, that is, is my memory correct? Was that in the movie? Oh yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, he did um, all
0: that. He didn't ride the horses as my mom did, but- oh, okay, okay, yeah, She's all a right. farm girl, but uh, yes, dad adored his older brother named Charles, mm-hmm. and his older brother was three years older. And his parents, when they realized that my dad was going to be blind and nothing they could do, um, they asked Charlie to look after him and take him along when he's playing. They're mm-hmm. playing. So Charlie did. And they did everything together. I thought that
1: was together. so great. That was so therapeutic. That was fantastic.
0: Oh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were young, they were playing marbles together and running around the neighborhood. My dad actually was also pretty darn independent. He memorized uh every Street Muncie in his neighborhood, he knew how to walk by himself to downtown. They live uh not far from downtown. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, my grandfather had a confectionery store mm-hmm. where they made candy mm-hmm. and uh, ice cream and you know, mm-hmm. all the good, good stuff. <laughs> so dad learned how to walk by himself down to the store to visit his dad. And I'm I'm certain that he got something for it. You know? <laughs> Yeah. checking out the candy selection and uh, yeah well, so yeah he knew everything about that so he could be independent or he could go out with his older brother and you know my he, my older his <laughs> get my pronouns right his brother charlie Taught them how to swim in an old gravel pit that was, you know, no trespassing. You're not supposed to be there, very dangerous, but eh, it did not matter if they won't get caught. So off they went. And <laughs> my dad became a good swimmer. He learned how to swim. And, and it's if you think about it, not that hard in a pool, as long as lane markings are there, he yeah. just follows
1: along the lane mm-hmm. marking. That's true. Well, your father was a very was very determined. He was determined to prove he could support a family. If I remember you. He was the first blind graduate of the Notre Dame Law School, and That's as correct. you mentioned earlier, he had successful law practice. He was a judge um, for two different counties, I think. Community leader, disability advocate. Oh you know, a phenomenal person, whether he was blind or not. I mean, he, right. he accomplished a lot. And then yeah. you had your mom who, who ran the household independently, raising four children with little assistance. Although mm-hmm. I, I, I got the feeling the expect expectations um, were much less for her. Ooh, less for my mom in what way? Well, I mean, it seems like they. She, had, I remember somewhere in the book they were saying, "Oh, you'll never really be able to have a house." Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I mean. That yeah. kind
0: of expectation. Oh, yeah, yeah. that yeah. used to drive her crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know how de- how depressing and how um, it just it's a continual put down. But mm-hmm. she knew she could do it. She knew she could. And um, when she finally got her own apartment after. Uh, they got married. Um, She taught herself to cook. She had a a Braille recipe book and she was reading that and figured out how to do it. Um, She did have a few basic cooking classes at the school for the blind. That's one thing um, they did for the teenagers. Um, And since your audience is more oriented towards teens, I wonder if I could talk a little bit about the program for blind kids. Sure. Uh, Yes. Feel free. Great. So back in, back in the 20s and 30s, this is 1920s, 1930s, about 100 years ago, there wasn't much for a blind person to do for a living. Uh, blind people could maybe, if they were talented with music, they could go and play piano in a bar or that would be a male. Women were not expected to do a darn thing. They, they were not even mm-hmm. taught mobility training. So my mother never, ever walked anywhere outside the house and yard by herself. She did just fine inside the house, just fine in the yard, but she would never, say, walk next door to my grandmother's Mm -hmm. house uh, by herself. It just wasn't anything she was taught to do and didn't really care to. So uh, it it was very different for the boys and the girls. The boys were also taught how to cane a chair or -hmm. how to make a broom. Uh, uh, There was, oh, yeah, uh, tuning a piano. but None of those you can make of living to support yourself, much less a family. So during the teenage years um, at that school, that was really hard for them to spend much time together because they still, of course, were strictly segregated. Mm -hmm. Although things started to loosen up about three or four times a year, there would be a dance and strictly supervised. So it would be a big deal for the kids to go to dance. And uh, dad finally got to touch my mother for the first time, uh, and I just can't imagine what that must have been like for him. And and she said, "Oh, he smelled so good." And you know, the Smell—the sense of the smell was mm-hmm. so important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, didn't smell like a smelly old boy. He smelled nice, and clean. And I'm like oh, wow, <laughs> you know, it's just stuff you don't think it's, about.
1: It is. It is. You, yeah. you really don't well, think about any of that. Right. And
0: they couldn't talk to each other during the day. So they figured out a way of communicating, which I write in detail in the book, but suffice it to just say, it has to do with the cooperation of both mothers, mm-hmm. the male system and laundry. Mm-hmm. And it was quite clever. They never did get caught. Um, and one of the other things they did that we were in some society that put on a, a play, a show, a musical, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, They were doing rehearsals, and they didn't want to sing. They didn't want to have lead parts. They didn't care about that. But they were in the choir. So uh, when it was the choir wasn't rehearsing, the boys were supposed to go to one side of the stage, and the girls were to the other. My dad figured out that the curtain behind the stage was long enough that nobody would see their feet. So they snuck behind the curtain and met in the middle so Ah. they could hold
1: Isn't that something? Oh, that answers my question. Like, how did they fall in love despite not being able to even, you know, talk to each other? But they found a way. Yes, they did. They found Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And and that keep in mind that when they were in high school, they were like two years older than a typical high school kid, as we would think now. Okay. Because when they graduated, they were about 20 years old um just uh, you know so things were different for them just because they were older um but then um as I got older um my dad's brother Charlie would drive my dad up to the farm where my mom lived and they would visit um they often did double dating um Charles had a girlfriend at the time that uh, became his wife and uh, my dad of course was able to go and and talk and they would go on picnics and go on rides together anything to be together mm-hmm. but I and I can't imagine of course uh-uh. there's no internet there's no. not even a phone, phone. at their house in the country right. uh, and a dad probably couldn't afford to use a phone if they had one um so uh they communicated by a lot of braille letters mm-hmm. they would They both knew how to type in Braille uh, and also how to type in print. Of course, they would use a print typewriter for their studies, for their tests, for their papers Mm -hmm. um, and writing letters. For me, I have paper uh, letters written by my mother that I just I I treasure. uh, And I look at them and I think there's hardly any mistakes. There's maybe two or three typos in there. And I'm thinking when I type, I make about twenty (laughs) five.
1: She was really good and very clear. You, even with the typos, you knew what she meant. Mm-hmm. So did all of you your children know Braille? Nope. None oh, of us. None of, <laughs> none of us cared
0: <laughs> to learn. None of us. Um, and it really wasn't all that important. What was more important for me especially was I wanted to learn to read. I wanted to be able to read things to my mother mm-hmm. and my dad. Um, you know, you're blind and here comes the mail and you go out and get the mail and you can't read it. Right. Yes, don't think very about frustrating. It. Yeah. So I have strong memories of mom bringing in the mail and she would be feeling the outline of an envelope and she'd say, I think this is a, a bill, is it? I'd like that. Look at it and say, Yeah, mom, that's from Ball stores. That's at a big department store. Mm-hmm. And say, oh well, we'll put that here in this box. And then my dad would take it to the office and he has a secretary that would pay his bills for him. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you can't even write a check if you're blind,
1: mm, you know? That's right. And that's what I want to, what was it like for you as a child growing up sighted and with blind parents? I mean, how did it or did it at all change your, your, your lifestyle? Because your, yes. I would think that you, this, you and your sibs could be very helpful since you could, you could see
0: that is true and <clears throat> excuse
1: me i really enjoyed um
0: reading mom and dad excuse me we would get the newspaper mm-hmm. we would get all kinds of printed uh material the tv guide life magazine that kind of thing mm-hmm. because it was very important that we read my mom even bought us a encyclopedia set um we had pictures on the wall we had the things our house would look like anybody else's house okay. my mom was very very aware of that uh, she would say, Oh, is it getting dark out yet? And I'd say, Yeah, it's starting to get dark. She said, Okay, well, I'm going to turn this light on. Mm. Uh, she doesn't want it to look like blind people live there.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Um, how did they discipline you and your sibs? <laughs> <laughs> and did you really do what they told them to do? I mean, these are questions that may seem very simplistic, but you think about it and you think, yeah. Well, if they can't see, you know, how how do they how do their kids follow up on what they're telling them to do? <laughs> uh, we,
0: they could hear us for one thing. They okay. knew if we were doing like setting the table or taking out the trash, whatever it was that they asked us to do, they could hear us doing it. Okay. Uh, and as far as real discipline goes, I everybody each kid was different, but I don't really remember. There's no yelling, no mm-hmm. nothing, uh, no spanking. Mm-hmm. Uh, only thing well, you I could do, run
1: away from them, <laughs>
0: because, but I wouldn't. And okay. I will tell you this story. Okay, I'm okay. four years old. I vividly remember. I don't know what I did, but Mom said I'm going to get the flyswatter. And what she would do is take the flyswatter and barely tap it on the back of your calf, <laughs> on the back of your leg, and that was your punishment. And I'm like. I'm running away from mom. I'm going around and around in circles at the <laughs> dining room table and my mom chasing me. And I finally suddenly realized, what am I doing? My blind mother is chasing me. <laughs> and I, her, and I, I never did anything that bad again. I mean, uh, I just, that was sort of my role girl. in the family, mm-hmm. sort of the good girl in a sense. And uh, I just didn't want to do anything to really disobey him. That's uh, great.
1: Well, what about, I mean, these are basic things. What about clothing and what you wore to school and what you were, if you were eating all your food, I mean, all of that was just regular, normal, yes. they knew Um, what was going on? I laugh
0: uh, when you think about what we eat. um, It was a very big rule. My dad had a seeing eye dog and the dog was not a pet and we didn't play with this dog and uh, this dog was just there. He was dad's dog and we didn't deal with this dog. But used to be the dad would bring the dog to the dinner table, and, and the dog would just lie down under the table and not move. Well, you could hear the dog moving because my sister Rita thought it was fun to feed the dog this food she doesn't like. So she would get rid of it that way because she knew my parents would check, especially my mom. As they're clearing the table, they can feel how heavy the plate is. And if they aren't sure if there's stuff on there, she takes his fork and moves it around and she can feel the peas or the potatoes or the meat or whatever's Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So she said, oh, you don't belong to the Clean Plate Club. You left this behind. uh So we had a Clean Plate Club. Uh, As far as clothing goes. you know, it, it, there's a couple aspects of it. One was my mother memorized what everybody had. She oh. did the laundry. She brought it back upstairs. She put it in her uh, in our closets. I didn't even think about that. How would She's she a, identify the... How would By she, touch okay. and memory. She remembered, oh, this is your red dress. It's got that little bow on the back. Or oh, okay. this is your little um, blue shorts. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's what she remembered everything so there's one time I was about seven and I was desperate need for my white blouse I was looking all through my closet I just you know look flip, flip 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 through all those hangers and I can't find it yell down the stairs mom and she's in the kitchen come down here you know I don't like you yelling at me so I had to good answer. mom I can't find that white blouse I gotta have that white blouse all right I'll come up so she comes up the stairs <laughs> Yeah, but that time she's 50 because she was 40 when she gave birth to me, okay. so, or, you know, late 40. So she's got to be tired. Bless her heart. And she goes to my closet and she about five seconds later, she holds up a, a hanger and says, is this it, Mary? I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but it wasn't there two minutes ago, mom. It really wasn't. <laughs> but she said, Mary, you have two good eyes. You should be able to find your white blouse. Like, That's oh, right. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't
1: there. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I tell you, reading your book, I I felt like I was right there. Did you have a particular intended audience in mind when you were were writing this book?
0: You know, um, mostly my kids and grandkids, mm-hmm. uh, just mostly family. But then, uh, yeah, I realized that other people might be interested in it too. So. Um, yeah, I, I I sort of generalized it a little bit. There were some things that I just left out because it was really not the public's business. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the more difficult parts, mm-hmm. more painful parts. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, it, it, but then of course, when you're doing your proposal for a nonfiction publisher, they want to know, uh, you know, the, the truth and uh, how did you know all this stuff? And I'm like, oh boy, I,
1: I can't. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah. So they put you through twenty questions, huh? To make sure it was legit, I guess, huh? Yeah. Oh wow! I never thought about that aspect of it. Hmm. Oh, well. How did you? How did you feel about having blind parents who couldn't see you at all, who couldn't see the smile on your face, or the tear that rolled down your from your eyes, or the color of your hair, or whatever? Right. Yeah. How did that impact you? Yeah, you know, I, I I thought of
0: that on and off through the years, and um, after my mom she was the first one to pass, and I thought, well, mom, you can see us now. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not a disappointment to you, mom. <laughs> I did the same thing with after my dad passed, um, but uh, they could. They knew what we looked like in a certain sense. Mom would touch my face. She would touch my hair. She said, Oh, your hair's getting long. It's getting down to your shoulders. Or mm-hmm. uh, she knew what I had on. She would touch my skirt and say, Mary, this skirt's way too short. You know, <laughs> in the 60s, mini skirts were mm-hmm. a big deal. And she would insist on inspecting me before I'd go to school. And Uh, she would start at my waist and feel all the way down to the hem. And then she'd go from the, with her thumb on the hem, she would go with her other fingers down to the, my knee. And she said, but Mary, this is about six inches long. You, you, I mean, it's too short. And we lived of course in Indiana at the time. And um, yes, it was cold and yes, my legs got red and wouldn't burn, but I wasn't going to admit that. So Just said, Oh, but mom, all the other kids wear this short. And so she didn't improve, but she bought them for me anyway. So, yeah. Oh, okay. All right.
1: Yeah. So so you did not really have to, I nah, have a lot of exceptions, I guess I would say,
0: um, it, because yeah.
1: your parents were not cited. Well, hold your thoughts for a minute. You're tuned into 411 Teen. I'm talking with Mary Crony Harper. We're going to take a quick break.
0: Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media.
1: Blindness is considered a low-incidence disability. Most estimates show that there are around 10 million blind people in the United States. I'm talking with Mary Peroni Harper, author of The Sound of Her Voice, My Blind Parent's Story. Mary, you have a blind cat, right? Are you had a blind Hi. cat? Yes, I do. Who, uh-huh. Whose eyes have been removed. What, what, what's that all about? Oh, you know, that
0: kitty came to me uh, in 2011, and it was something uh, that my uh, daughter saw on Facebook. She said, Mom, this blind kitty needs a home, and it happened to be, I'm in Houston, but this kitty was in Austin. She'd been dumped at a shelter, uh, and so she was a tiny little thing that couldn't save her eyes. She was a bottle baby, uh, fed only with a bottle, you know, until she got big enough to eat real food, and they just knew that somebody needed to adopt a bit people are afraid to adopt blind cats um, mm-hmm. they're hard to get adopted and cat that has any kind of disability sometimes is just hard to place um so I was doing a lot of emailing back and forth and I and I I, I thought okay we' we'll, we'll just drive over to Austin and look at her we'll see what she looks like <laughs> and I knew darn well I'd be bringing her home but I you know <laughs> I always get myself the ad, out my husband at that time I had four cats my husband was um think we don't need a fit. I said, I know we don't need it, but she needs a home. So he turned out to really love her. And, um, I was so happy to have her. She was a huge comfort because it was only a few months later that, um, my husband was diagnosed with kidney cancer and he passed away six months later. Um, and having that kitty around, she cuddles and she just it, she just purrs and she's just my baby. So oh. that's been a great blessing for me to have her all these years.
1: Okay. Well, we're talking about your book. Where can one purchase your book?
0: Hmm. Thank you. Um, it is definitely on Amazon.com, and uh, you just need to type in the sound of her voice. It will it'll pop up. Uh, It's got a picture of my parents on the cover. It's sort of like sepia-toned. It's also on Barnes & Noble. You can go to your independent bookseller, if I can get the words out, independent Mm bookseller and ask them to order it. Uh, They can do that as well.
1: Okay. In these last um, last few minutes that we have here, what do you want people to know about your parents? And and why 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 is it important?
0: You know, they taught me so much as far as patience, uh, persistence. Uh, they never gave up, and I think that was sort of what I was feeling with that book. It's like, oh, that book is so hard to write, and I and, you know I might spend two hours on one paragraph and get so frustrated by everything because mm-hmm. you know, and how do I tell the story and everything like that, but. Uh, I think they were there with me, uh, and honestly, there's sometimes I think that I was sort of channeling what they were saying <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, I, I can almost hear their voices. Uh, one of the good things about this book, I'll tell you real quick, it's based on uh, tape recordings. My parents loved, especially my dad, loved to make tape recordings and tell stories on those. So I have those tapes. Oh, and do you transcribed? Yes, that's why there's so many. There are true quotes uh, about oh. what goes. Through. Yeah. And one Christmas time, one of the things that their favorite things to do, they're is they were especially older, they would sit around the uh, dinner table after eating a full meal and just start talking and they started telling stories. So I ran back to my room and I grabbed my camera, which is one of those great big VCR camera things, video cameras that was you know, like in the 90s. And I started taping them and I started asking all kinds of questions and getting more and more stories from them. And that was about an hour. And then it was time to stop. Okay, next night they start telling stories again. <laughs> I have a dilemma: do I tell them I am filming them, or do I just let them talk? Because, as you know, right. when people know they're on film or tape or whatever, they start talking a little differently because they want to be, you know, intelligent sounding. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I said, "All right, all right, mom, dad, I really am. I'm just, I'm just videoing this, but you don't. It just we'll talk." <laughs> Oh, well, immediately my dad gets <laughs> in his chair, <laughs> straightens his shoulders, and gets into what I call the judge's voice. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh my God, I blew it. I should have never done that because now it's going to be real stilted, but it still was a good story. And it, mm-hmm. and it, but it was, um, yeah. So it, 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 by having all of those resources together, I was able to pull it together and tell some good
1: stories. Well, why did you want to tell this story? I mean, I know you want your grandchildren, you know, to 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 have the information. But,
0: you know, uh, a lot of people have said that it's a very inspirational book. They felt very inspired. They felt mm-hmm. very moved by it. And um, if I had sat down at a computer to write, oh, I'm going to sit down and write an inspirational book today. Uh, <laughs> I'd still be sitting there yeah. looking at a black screen. But it... Uh, and I'm really glad that people like it and felt moved. And uh, it's really sort of fun when you know I've smiled at myself when someone says, Oh, I cried near the end. And I'm like, oh good. And that means that <laughs> wrote it well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you I do. got your emotions. And mm-hmm. the other thing I'm finding is I'm doing some interviews. I want people to understand about blind people. Okay. That they, plus, you don't have to be completely blind to be a blind
1: person. No. Uh, there's
0: many people out there with vision impairments. Um and and, and we probably don't have time, but another no, time still, get... we've
1: got a few minutes. Feel free. Okay. I mean, we've got well, about 10 uh, minutes.
0: For for example, um people don't realize how frustrating it is to be stuck at home and no transportation. Uh, mm-hmm. that was one of the when I think about my childhood and I say, Well, what do you what was it like growing up with blind parents? Well, sitting at home, if um, I wanted to go somewhere, rode my bike. or i walked or we took a bus we did not have transportation uh i missed out on a lot of stuff here it is in the summertime and sometimes people post on a facebook group for muncie indiana oh we went swimming here and we went swimming there i'm like well i didn't you know Mm -hmm. because i couldn't get there
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh frustration but yeah on the other hand i learned to uh, be independent i took the bus by myself downtown to go take sewing lessons uh, at the singer store downtown or uh, I, I took the bus to anything i needed to do so and nowadays of course i wouldn't put a kid on a bus by themselves oh, but back yeah. then <laughs> yeah. it was uh, very different um mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm just saying about blind people or anyone with a vision impairment get on a call say do you need a ride somewhere do you need an errand run would you like to go to the grocery my mother depended on friends mm-hmm. later years, she had really good friends who would take her regularly to the grocery but other times you're stuck what do you do mm-hmm. they did not have the internet they didn't have home delivery of, of groceries right. Like that's right do now yeah um so i like to just say you you know call up people and and say can i help you can i read something to you can i do a chore for you what can i do for you um, and that that can mean an awful lot and you
1: may have answered this um, but what do you think that society overall needs to know about blind people? What they're do you think beings. we're missing that, that, you know, society is missing?
0: Yes, they're human beings. They, they walk, they talk, they can listen. They are smart. Uh, people like to sometimes play tricks on blind people. Mm-hmm. uh you know, my parents endured a lot. Uh, m- you know, m- when Mom still had a little bit of sight and she was in school, she tripped on something, and the boy said, "Well, I thought you could see." Well, yeah. Uh. Uh, and, and my dad knew people's voices. He was even written mm-hmm. up in the newspaper of South Bend, Indiana, when he was in school in Notre Dame. Mario Peroni knows 150 different voices, and so I mean. He, some of them come up and greet him, hi Mario, and my dad would say, hi Joe. He would know, but there'd be other times I was with him once when, um, walking downtown, hey Mario, do you know who this is? And i and I saw my dad, and I knew right away, ooh, you don't play that game with my dad. When he got mad, he would work real hard to make his big eye look big, and his hmm. he didn't have any eye on the other side, but he would try to lift that with that eyelid. And I knew right then, you don't play games with my dad. But my dad would just sort of say, no, I'm afraid I don't. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. So in other words, don't play games with them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Same way with my mom, it looked like she could see because she had artificial glass eyes. Uh, we'd be sitting at a restaurant and the uh, waitress would start to hand her a menu. And of course, mom didn't react. So I would say, oh, we just need one menu. Oh, okay. And then she'd come back to take her order and she'd say, What does she want? I don't know. Ask my mother. Ask her, (laughs) right. Yeah. But people, because I think it's because they can't make eye contact Mm -hmm. with blind people. That they don't know how to start a conversation. They don't know what to say exactly. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. little intimidating. And I think underneath it all, people worry, oh my God, I could lose my sight too someday. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of fear about that because there but the, for the grace of God goes me, you know? That, that yeah, can be me. Yeah. Never know. And so it's sort of scary. Um hmm.
1: what suggestions would you offer to parents? And I say parents who may have blind children, how hmm. can they advocate and support their children.
0: Wow. You know, I think it's sad that nowadays, it appears to me, I may be wrong, but it appears that fewer and fewer people are learning Braille. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because of the internet and because of talking computers and all this new technology. I really think it's important for uh, especially completely blind uh, kids to learn how to write and read Braille. That's very important because then you can read things on your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would type, my parents would type up notes to themselves, or they had a little portable slate with a stylus thing that you poked in the dots and they would write themselves notes. Or they would label things. They would label uh, medicine bottles, for example. They would write on there what the name of it was and what they were supposed to do, take it twice a day or whatever. So Braille comes in really handy. And I think uh, if nothing else, please teach your kids how to do Braille or, and, and then the, with the mainstreaming, of course, this is all new since my parents grew up. They mm-hmm. it certainly wasn't any mainstreaming back in the 20s and 30s and 40s and so forth. But um, I just think kids benefit by going to a school for the blind. And my understanding is that the Indiana School for the Blind now does allow kids to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But they have changed dramatically. <laughs> uh, and they no longer do weekend boarding. So they can spend the night there. During the weeks, but my parents were there. From uh, like my mom, especially, she, she was dropped off and didn't see her mother again uh, till uh, November th- for Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. uh, she wouldn't went a couple of months without being with her parents. Um, but now that's not happening. But I do know that people from all over the country move just to Indiana to uh, attend that school if they have a kid with that's blind. So. Because they have so many wonderful programs there and such good teachers. And, and you know, I mm-hmm. can put in a really good word. In fact, some of the portions of uh, the profits from my book are going to go to the Indiana School for the
1: Blind. Okay. As you think back about growing up with your blind parents, what was, what would you identify as their biggest challenge that they may have encountered? I can say it right off from my mom. Bless oh. her heart.
0: She had four children. And every from day one of having my sister, Anne, the oldest, she was worried that Children's Protective Services would take, uh, take her kids, children away. Oh, okay. She had to prove to herself and everyone that she was a capable woman. Just because she didn't have sight doesn't mean she couldn't raise children. And she knew that she was being judged. Every single time she went out of the house, she knew that people were watching her. And uh, if we didn't behave well or if we were dirty, we always had to wash our face before we could go outside <laughs> or go anywhere. You know, we always had to look good. Uh, and it, it, this is because it leads okay. to that fear. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. And you know what? That was not an unreasonable fear. I can tell you a very quick story about Utah recently, about five years ago, I think it was. There was a blind couple. She was in the hospital after giving birth uh to her child and she was having a little bit of trouble breastfeeding now i have never known a woman who did not have trouble breastfeeding it's just right. part of the game yeah but first saw her having some difficulty and decided that she couldn't possibly raise this child called child protective services <gasps> they took the baby away oh, and this really? is in modern times
1: you said yeah, this was about and- five years ago yes <sighs> it's
0: just- I was just astonished. It's like, what Excuse is wrong with these me. people? You know, um, so yeah, there's still a lot of prejudice mm. out there.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if my next question, because I was thinking maybe you could share, and I guess they have, how, from your perspective, how attitudes have changed about individuals with disabilities over the years, but that doesn't sound like it has changed that much. Uh, that,
0: in that one instance, I <laughs> Not just thought, there. Oh, and they had to fight, fight, fight through the court systems. I think that you finally got the baby back, but mm. God. Mm. for no reason. So, oh. Uh, mm. Wow. I, you know, yeah. <laughs>
1: You don't have to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do it's you feel start. like you experienced the world differently? Are you more in tune or in touch um, because your parents were blind?
0: I think so. Yeah, without a doubt. That Especially my dad, he would say, listen here, there's a cardinal just singing away. Oh, there's another cardinal. Mm-hmm. He knew all the names of all the birds and the bird song. So he taught me to appreciate nature. He, we'd be out for a walk, and he'd say, "Oh, there's a big tree over there in there." And I said, "Yeah, okay. Well, do you want to see how big it is?" And he'd say, "Sure." So I'd walk up to the tree, stop, and he'd put his arms around the tree. And if he couldn't get his arms all the way around the tree, you know, he was amazed mm-hmm. by it. Right? It's a really old tree, and he was a the original tree hugger, I think. <laughs> They love nature. My mother had a green thumb and her plants grew beautifully. Uh, she did a lot of house plants and I'm convinced it's because she was talking to them and touching them at the same time. Mm. So if I had my children are grown, but if I had a science fair project that I had to do, that'd be one thing I'd probably try to do is see, here's a plant that I didn't talk to. And here's a plant I did talk to and touch. Which one grew better?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, they had their own talents and it was not easy for them. It took every ounce of strength to get through the day. They had to think all the time. My dad, especially, is talking about he didn't want to get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the book, I put in the appendix his first person discussion of uh, his story of getting lost in a blizzard and mm-hmm. almost dying in a blizzard. And um,
1: that would not have been good. Mm-mm. Well, I- very briefly, you know, in preparation for the program, I'm reading up on, on blindness. And I read someplace that the, one of the biggest challenges for blind folks is other people's misconception. Mm-hmm. In 30 seconds, I know, Put, what do you think? Do you think Gosh. that that is true? Oh, without a doubt. Okay, sure. Okay. Um,
0: you know, if you think about it, it even goes back to the Bible of days of the blind beggars, and they're being punished by God, that's why they're blind. Um, and sometimes I think people still believe some of that.
1: hmm okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna say time out for this edition of 411 Team. Many thanks to Mary Peroni, Harper, author of The Sound of Her Voice, My Blind Parent's Story, her debut biography memoir of her remarkable blind parents who faced struggles and obstacles, raising four-sided children and living their American dream. To my listening audience, much appreciation for your time and your ear. Tune in next week, same time, same place, to get the 411 on 411 Team. 411 Team was produced by Dr. Liz Hollyfield. Technical assistance was provided by Evan Rossi. If you would like to participate in the 411 Team or have suggestions for discussion topics, call 850 645 7200. You can listen to previous episodes of 411 Team at WFSU.org.